I would invite you to turn in your Bible or get out your phone or your iPad or whatever you've got. And let's turn together to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Matthew, the 28th chapter. And we'll read together those last verses, verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. There are certain biblical texts that many of us know by memory uh, because that we've been believers for a long time, or we grew up in the church, or because of our very evangelical traditions such as this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. Of course, those are the first two verses of Psalm 23. Or, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16, that without a doubt is the most often quoted verse of all the Bible. And the very gospel is encapsulated in that one verse. But there's another text that is often quoted, is very well known, and you'll know it this way, the Great Commission. Are you familiar with that statement? The Great Commission. Well, usually... When the Great Commission is quoted, there are two verses that are quoted. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And what do they say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 19, and 20 that we commonly know as the Great Commission. And that is such a, a, a motivation for our missionary advance in the world. But I would say to you that in what we quote as the Great Commission, there is a great omission. What am I talking about? We do not need to quote those two verses without quoting verse 18. This is what it says together. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now listen to it. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Without verse 18, it doesn't have the same force. When we include verse 18, we can say that it, it is the Great Commission because it comes from a great Lord. Who gives the Great Commission? He who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Who is speaking here? The risen Lord Jesus. Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, who was put in a tomb, but who vacated that tomb and who triumphed over death, who ascended to be at the Father's right hand and who will come again. He who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Without fear that anyone would contradict him, the master could proclaim that he had all authority on heaven and on earth. We must give heed to he who has all authority. When we follow the Lord Jesus through the pages of the four Gospels, it is possible to see the expression of his absolute authority. What kind of authority did the master have? And what kind of authority does he still have? Let's look at some key passages in the Gospels and see how the authority of the Lord Jesus is expressed. In Matthew 7, 28 and 29, we see that the Lord Jesus taught and preached with authority. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. They knew when Jesus spoke, they needed to listen. What the Master says is trustworthy. We can believe it. Do you know some people that when they talk to you, you can believe them? Do you know some people on the other end that when you talk to them, you're not going to take you to the bank? But there was just something about Jesus that they knew when he spoke, you could believe it. He spoke with authority. He was trustworthy. But also, we know because of that, he needs to be obeyed. He, he, he didn't have to shout. He didn't have to holler. He could speak. And they were words of authority. And people knew that he needed to be heeded. He needed to be paid attention to. The Lord Jesus taught and preached with authority, but that's not all when we consider the authority of the Lord Jesus. We look in I've got a, in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 10, 
And we see on repeated occasions, we witness his ability to heal the sick. And in this way, he would prove his authority over all physical problems. We just see again and again when Jesus healed sick people in absolutely hopeless situations. But in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 10, it says, When he entered Capernaum, a centurion who was a Roman soldier, an officer, came to him pleading with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible agony. He said to him, Am I to come and heal him? Lord, the centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say this to one, go and he goes, and to another, come and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. And Jesus pronounced healing for the centurion's servant. What insight that centurion had. He said, I'm a man of authority. I tell my soldiers to do this. What do they do? They do it. I say to my servant, do this. And what does he do? He does it. Jesus, all you have to say is for it to happen. And what will happen? It will happen. For he knew that Jesus had absolute authority even over the severe illness of his servant. Now, I'm not what you'd call a healing preacher. And the thing about healing and physical sickness is one of the mysteries that none of us have all the answers to. But this I know, that our mighty God has power to heal. 2007, Beth and I were living in Tijuana, Mexico. For those of you who don't know us, Beth and I had the privilege to serve as Southern Baptist missionaries for 31 and a half years in Latin America. We had just moved to Tijuana, Mexico. We were one day crossing uh, one of the most busy avenues in the city, and uh, our timing was bad, and we tied with a big old bus. And I was hit by the bus. I knocked Beth down. The bus ran over my leg. And as I say, I nearly died. I love the word nearly. Because what does that mean? I didn't. <laughs> I was in the hospital three days in Tijuana. Then they evacuated me to uh, the hospital in San Diego. And I was in the hospital there a month and four days. I had five orthopedic surgeries on my right leg and a major skin graft. I have more screws than Home Depot does. <laughs> they were going to have to do what they call a muscle flap do a muscle transplant from back here on my back and put it down on my leg. 
But folks, I'm here to tell you, God grew tissue. They didn't have to do that muscle flap. But they were able to do a simple skin graft. It's a very large skin graft. But God touched me with healing power. And the very fact they considered amputating my leg. I would have walked a little over two miles this morning if the sheets hadn't eaten me. <laughs> but many mornings we do, and I walk about 45 or 50 minutes. Now the turtles pass me and wave at me. <laughs> I'm slow, but I walk. And I know that He has power to heal. Now, we've seen other situations that God in His infinite wisdom did not choose to do that. But we know that if the Master speaks it, it happens. He has authority even over physical illness. We see in Mark, the second chapter, a wonderful story. This is a good story if He weren't the guy that owned the house. But do you remember the story about when four men, Jesus was preaching in a house in, in Capernaum, and uh, the crowd was so great they couldn't get in through the door, so what did they do? They climbed up on the roof, they knocked a hole in the roof, and they let the man down through the roof, and they presented him to Jesus. I love what it says. Jesus, seeing their faith, what did he say to the paralytic? Son, your sins are forgiven. The paralytic discovered that Jesus did not only have power to heal him physically, but he also had the authority to forgive his sins. And my friends, aren't you glad that he has the same glorious authority to forgive our sins? In Mark chapter 2, verse 9 through verse 12, it says, Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees got all upset because Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. They, they said, That was blasphemy. So it says, Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take up your mat, and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Now, Jesus healed him. That guy was paralyzed. He had to be carried in. But did they carry him out? He walked out. But he walked out changed in more than one way. He walked out changed physically. But because of the miracle of the grace of the Lord Jesus, he walked out changed spiritually. And I'd lot rather be healed spiritually than healed physically. What kind of sin burden are you carrying today? 
Boy, I don't know your heart. I don't know about you, but I have to go to the Master every day of my life and claim 1 John 1, 9. You know 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus has authority to forgive sins. That's why He died on the cross. He died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. There's nothing too big nor too small that is beyond the forgiving grace of the Lord Jesus. But what we've got to do is come in humility and brokenness and repentance and ask for His forgiveness. And what will He do? He'll forgive us. Nothing is beyond His authority to forgive. Well, we've seen that He had authority to teach and preach, and He had authority to heal, also authority to forgive sins. But we see another powerful expression of His authority. When we look in Matthew, the 17th chapter, it's just one of the cases, we see that evil spirits were subject to the declaration of the authority of the all-powerful Lord Jesus. Remember what happened in Matthew 17. Jesus went up on what we know as the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and there was a magnificent thing that happened. Jesus was transfigured before him, and they saw his transcendent glory. They had what we know as the mountaintop experience. You ever, you ever heard that phrase? It's good to have some of those sometimes. They don't happen too often, but they're sweet when, when they do. Well, they had a mountaintop experience, but they came down off the mountain. We don't stay all the time up on the mountain, do we? Well, what did they find when they came down off the mountain? There was chaos. And what was that chaos around? Well, there was a man and his son. And that son had a tremendous problem. This is where we take up with our reading in Matthew 17, verse 14. When they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Even evil spirits are subject to the authority of the Lord Jesus. Friday, I received a text 
There's a young man who did live in Brackettville, but he's gone to pastor a church uh, further up in the state. And I have a very close relationship with, with this young man. He's asked that I mentor him, and so we have a lot of contact. But he sent me a text, and he's in a situation with a lady who has gotten very involved in the past with voodoo and, 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 and dark magic. And it's caused tremendous problems in her life. Folks, there's some things you just don't play around with. If anything even smells of the devil, get as far away from it as you can. But as Jesus had authority over that situation in Matthew 17, as I talked with my friend yesterday on the telephone, Jesus has authority today over the situation of the lady with whom he's working. Greater is he that is in us, it says in 1 John 4, 4, than he that is in the world. The, the devil has a lot of power. And I'm here to say to you that Jesus has all power. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And when he says be free, there's freedom. Jesus has authority even over evil spirits. The disciples were in the boat with Jesus in Mark 4. There was a storm and Jesus, Jesus was asleep. He didn't understand that. In Mark 4.35, it says, On that day when evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion, so they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Jesus has authority even over the creation, even over what we term nature. He has authority over the storm. Now, perhaps we've been in some of those storms. We wondered what was going to happen. But what about the storms of life? You've been in some of those? 
But isn't it wonderful when the master declares the word, be calm, silence, and brings calm in the midst of the storm. Yes, Jesus has all authority. Boy, it's good, isn't it? But we're coming to the best. They say that there are only two things that are final. What are those two things? Do you remember what that saying is? Death and taxes. April the 15th comes around, doesn't it? But death comes to every person till the Lord Jesus comes back. We don't know when. But we know one thing that's going to happen in all of our lives. Yesterday, we went to a funeral service in Utopia. Mrs. Norma Duke passed away. Maybe some of you knew Mrs. Duke. This next week, she would have been 97 years old. Wonderful, godly lady. But then we see other situations where people don't live to that age. In March of 2002, we had to stand over the casket of our 30-year-old son, Rob. I'll never forget, I was in the funeral home. I was standing there by that casket, and I just was saying within myself, Son, I'm supposed to be 70, 80, 90 years old, and I'm in that casket, and you're out here. This isn't right. But that's the way it was. You know, we don't know, do we? Some of you have passed and have experienced similar things of what I'm speaking. But death doesn't have the final word. The son of the widow of Nain in Luke 7, he was in the casket. And what did Jesus do? He touched him, and that young man came back to life. That lady was hopeless. She had nobody to take care of her, but her son was restored to her. Do you remember the daddy in Luke 8? His name was Jairus. His little girl had died. They went back to the house, and Jesus said, Oh, she's just asleep. He's gonna, she's going to wake up. And what did the people do? They laughed. Well, i tell you what. They did more than laugh in just a few minutes because what did Jesus do? He brought life to that little girl. And then in the passage that we know so wonderfully in John chapter 11, there was a man with two sisters. The two sisters were Mary and Martha. What was his brother's name? Lazarus, right? Lazarus died. Jesus got the news, and how long did he wait? Four days, right? You remember the story? He went, but what did he do? Well, he was talking with Martha, and he made a wonderful statement to her. He uh, made the statement in verse 23 of John 11, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. 
Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then just a little while after that, they went to the tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. Well, that old boy had been dead for four days. And he came back alive. Death does not have the final word. But the crown of it all. On Black Friday, they hung the precious Lord Jesus to a cross between two thieves. And he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that the righteousness of God might be made known in us. He died a physical death, a very real physical death. But not only did He die physically, He took on Himself our sin and our condemnation for all the sin of all history was put upon the Lord Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin. And for three hours there was absolute darkness. But then he declared those triumphant words, It is finished. And the debt was paid. He was put in the tomb provided by Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus has absolute authority over everything including your life and my life. Some of you may remember some years back, there was a television commercial that pro promoted an investment company. You may remember this when I mentioned the name. It was an investment company that dealt with investing in the stock market. In their publicity, they wanted to make the public trust in E.F. Hutton. Do you remember that? Do you remember what their motto was? It said, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Now, what were they saying? You can trust what E.F. Hutton says. So when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. But folks, I declare to you, there's somebody a lot greater than E.F. Hutton. I would say to you that when the Lord Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and on earth speaks... We must listen. He has all authority. That's what makes the Great Commission great because it's from a great Lord. 
Because Jesus has all authority, we must recognize his absolute authority over every aspect of our lives. Do you know what the basic problem is with all people? It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, separation from God. But the basic problem that every person has is that we've rebelled against God's ultimate authority in our life. And for us to come back into right relationship with God, we have to acknowledge His authority and come to Him in repentance and faith. And we receive that gift of forgiveness. But we have to acknowledge His ultimate authority. And you and I as followers of of the Lord Jesus Christ, each day we need to acknowledge that authority in our life as we begin the day. I, I, I try to begin every day saying to him, Lord Jesus, I surrender myself to you. I pray today by your spirit that you will rule in my life and that you'll make the Lord, your lordship real in me by your spirit today and submit to his absolute authority in my life. Because Jesus has all authority, we must respond with complete obedience to his command to take the gospel to the far reaches of the earth. The Great Commission is the Great Commission. We need to take the gospel to those in our families who don't know the Lord Jesus. We need to take the gospel to our neighbors who don't know the Lord Jesus. We need to take the gospel to Uvalde, to this part of southwest Texas, to Texas, to the United States, and to all the people groups of the earth. Because they need to know the Lord Jesus, but because Jesus has told us to do it. Why, he has all authority. But oh, I would say to you something else. Because Jesus has all authority, we can live and work with total confidence. What did he say at the very end there in Matthew 28, 20? He says, and remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Where is he? He's with us. Because by his spirit he lives in us. So we can live and work with confidence. It doesn't depend on Tommy. It depends on he who indwells Tommy. I got a wonderful text from Brother Lonnie this morning. I so appreciate our pastor. But he told me that he was praying for me, that he was praying that the Holy Spirit would fill me and use me greatly today. Now, you're not going to think I'm old old enough to have done what I'm going to tell you that I've done. I've been preaching 50 years. I started when I was 18. I'm 69 now. 
But I texted Brother Lonnie back, and I says, thank you very much. I said, I'm a little nervous. I still get nervous. But I said, that's a good thing because it makes me pray more. You people scared me. Because this is serious business. Somebody's eternity may be hanging on what's happening right now. That's why I do need to pray more. Because I can't do it, but He can. And we can live and work with confidence. Because he who has all authority in heaven and on earth indwells us. Isn't that glorious? Oh, I tell you what, we need to make much of Jesus. Because it's all about him. You may be here today and you've never come to that time. When you have really honestly come before him and said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You may come to church regularly and praise God for that. But there's not come that time when you have come and honestly said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I want to give my life to you and ask that you rule in my life with absolute authority. Would you do that today? We're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to sing one of the most glorious hymns that's ever been written, Amazing Grace. There'll be a deacon here at the front to receive you, to talk with you. Or maybe there's another decision that you need to make today. Perhaps God is leading you to unite with this church as this church receives members. Or you need to come and ask for prayer. Whatever the decision is, now's the time to submit ourselves in total submission to the authority of He who has all authority. Would you bow with me for prayer?